Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. Bricky here with another episode of Disneyland for Designers. For now, episode 92 at episode 100. Uh, we're going to change some things up, but that's neither here nor there. Let's look at Tarzan's treehouse, formerly the Swiss family treehouse, and currently one of the most curious things happening at the Disneyland Resort. And one of the things that fans were most confused about not getting an update in regards to during D23's parks panel and announcements, which, uh, yeah, still kind of putting a <laughs> shiver down the spine of all kinds of citizens of Disneyland and Magic Kingdom and Disney parks fans all around the world as people are trying to figure out what exactly were the announcements and what just happened. Let's jump into today's episode. I'm so excited to talk about today's topic. Friends, just like you, I consume a lot of online content regarding to Disney parks. And one of the reasons why I do the podcast and the YouTube channel, hey, Bricky, uh, that's the YouTube channel, I'm not just addressing myself here, is that when I went to the parks and I fell in love with it, I wanted to go back there when I couldn't. Let me explain. You go to the parks, you have an amazing time. And I remember when I would travel in from New York, I loved coming to California because it meant a visit to Disneyland. It was one day we we didn't rope drop, but we hit it mid-morning and we were the last to walk out of Main Street, if I could convince Beth to go till the end. And then when I would travel back to New York, I just missed it. I was curious what was happening there, what was going on there. And I looked around the internet trying to find what Disney was making to take us back into the parks. But everything they did with the parks was always very advertisement, marketing forward, storytelling, third or fourth tier or not at all. I remember watching, and I talk about this all the time, the holiday parade they do, which is kind of just unwatchable for people that absolutely love the park like we do. It's amazing that you would think that we're their key demo, their key target, and it just almost makes you want to throw up at how marketing for it, it is and experiential and what the park means to us at a very, 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 very distant last place. So when internet users got savvy of, hey, we could start a, a blog or a podcast or a YouTube channel and we could take people back to the park when they're no longer able to go there. Not only was this a great service for me when I lived on the other side of the country, but even when I found myself living in Southern California you can only go so often, but there is something nice about once a day popping open mice chat and seeing what's happening or several times a day going over to WDWNT.com and just seeing a drip of everything that's happening or go over to one of your favorite YouTube channels and see a news video or a park video or a historic video. Like it was just nice to be able to consume all that content. And as someone who was already creating professional content, pivoting over to doing Disney stuff, I had two goals to empower the viewer or listener so that when you got your precious Disneyland time, I could help you make the most of it because I've been way more than most. I go all the time and my brain has just become a sponge of how to oddly navigate and understand this very high in demand tourist destination and also I just learn in a weird way and things that I'm very passionate about. I can tell you anything about such as eighties wrestling, 
80s skateboarding, 90s punk rock, anything that happened in music from like, you know, say mid 80s to mid 2005s, Apple computers, my love of Tesla vehicles and Disney parks. Like if I love something, my brain has no problem absorbing as much information as possible about it. But if I don't love something, for example, I just made a grammatical error that I'm not going to correct because I have a very lazy brain. I have low reading comprehension. I don't know how to write very well. And I have faked my way through all of this with a lot of technology using speak text, Grammarly, and most things I read on the internet, I'm reading it while the computer is also reading it to me. So it's kind of like I heard it from a friend while also happened to read the words that the friend was telling me, even though this friend has the worst voice ever. So we find ourselves in an interesting moment post D23 because Disney has the last handful of years set up really big expectations and they've knocked them out of the park. They've learned that they show up, give a line listing of really flashy announcements, a little over 50%, 60% of them come into fruition, which is, you know, pretty high completion rate when you think about the amount of money, uh, manpower, even though there's also women included as well, but the term is manpower, the amount of people power that it takes to make these projects happen. It's pretty impressive they get done as much as they do. But in this last round, there was a lot that many people felt like was missing. So going over to the DIY or independent coverage of Disney, not Disney official covering Disney, it was interesting to see various different channels and, you know, personalities that I follow in this space trying to sort of figure out how do I tell this story? Because you can tell that a lot of these folks, including myself, thought, okay, Parks panel will be on Sunday. So I'll, I'll make this video for Monday and this one for Wednesday and this one for Friday. Like something big like this creates a lot of interest and intrigue. That interest and intrigue creates a wave of SEO that allows a lot of us to see a spike in new subscribers or ad revenue. Like we're kind of very dependent on big things happening that get a big interest. And then we get big numbers and big growth on the backside of that. It's an ecosystem that we're all tethered into. I mean, it's not just throwing a rock in a pond and seeing the ripples work their way back to you. We are remoras, those fish that swim on the side of sharks. We're literally taking Disney scraps and turn it into content. And I have to say me and some of my peers we make better content than Disney does about their parks. Now, nobody knows the parks better than Disney, so let me break down what I'm saying here. But as far as actually understanding what the guest wants, we know better because we are the guest. And our overall um, goal here is to entertain people like us. We're, we're not also trying to sell tickets or a hotel stay or, or a dream vacation. And in that disconnect, from marketing language to just friend to friend language is where I think we have an upper edge on Disney. So watching some of my peers trying to, you know, make good out of this non-announcement, it was fascinating. It was really, really fascinating to watch. And it's also fascinating for me to understand who's a fan and who's a professional. A fan is somebody that covers the park based purely on their 
own needs and their own vision. And well, why didn't they do this for me? And a professional is someone that can look at it three steps ahead as the chess game that it is and understand, okay, well, I didn't get what I wanted, but why did Disney do what they did? Because Disney's a huge company. Newsflash. That's the that's the newsflash today. You heard it here first. Disney is a huge company. But they're strategical. And so in there being no real major announcements, the fan part of you is like, oh, that sucked. I spent a lot of time and money on this. And some content creators took it from a fan's perspective. And that's fine. Uh, a fan-to-fan communicating is a common bond. It's a tribe of, of ideology. But for others, it was like, okay, why though? Why did this happen? Why did they not announce a lot? And I love these moments because it gives me the idea to sort of gauge what some of my contemporaries are thinking or how they play the game or where they're invested in this emotionally or just kind of where their mindset is as a creator. What's their ultimate goal? Are they trying to deliver the best product possible to people to inform them and guide them on how to go back home to the park? Because after all, my uh, goal is to inform people and to take them back. That's where I'm at with things. But it's interesting to see how willing are people to go up to the line of honesty. There are some people that have this vision that maybe one day I'll get to work for Disney. Like their whole channel, their whole creation is like an audition for a job that doesn't exist. And quite frankly, I don't think ever will exist. And if it did exist, I don't think you'd want it. And I don't think the middle-aged white guys that are putting all this stuff together is exactly what Disney would be like. We should create something that is relating to the customer. Let's pick an old white guy to do it. I just don't see that ever really being a job. So why constantly be auditioning for it? If, if it's trash, just say it's trash. You can always bounce back on your next piece of content and show everybody how much you love it. And I think that people kind of get caught up in this moment of like, well, I don't want to be negative friend. There's a time and place to sound negative, but if your negativity is really constructive criticism or showing, well, this is why I think it's bad. And let me explain to you why I think it was bad. What was missing? What was I looking for? So it was definitely an interesting week to see how the ripples work their way back to everybody to see who I think is playing the game educated, <laughs> smart, uh, and who's just a fan or who also was hiding as a fan because they don't want to let down the Disneyland. And I have zero obligation to the park. My obligation is to you. You're my partner here. You're who I'm auditioning for. I don't care if Josh tomorrow or Bob, Chapek or Kenny P rocks or anybody at the corporation sees one of my videos and goes, Oh, this guy's a troll. Fine. Maybe you saw me ranting and ranting hard minutes after D 23, but go check one of my other videos out. You'll see that that rant comes from a genuine love of the parks. And when you love something, you want the best for it and you want it to be the best version of itself. And what I saw wasn't necessarily the best version of itself. So yes, Tarzan's treehouse. So many people are like, oh, we didn't even get a treehouse update. Why, why didn't they mention that? 
They didn't forget it. It just wasn't the time to talk about it. And that's where this whole long intro is running to. Everything that was told to us was a strategic move on the board that benefits Disney. And this isn't an evil thing. This is called a business thing. Just like I've started the last couple of episodes being like, hey, at episode 100, something big's happening. I'm making some moves. I enjoy doing the podcast. I want to make more money off of it so that I can do more with it and really sort of wedge it into my schedule and be like, okay, I do this every Monday because it benefits me. How? And I'm not just going to pop up and spring up on you and go, by the way, uh, today's the day I'm doing this thing. I'm kind of taking you there because I know I don't have the time to do it today. I also know that I'd love to be able to like, I did a hundred of these under this one sort of guidelines. And now I'm reinventing the show and going in another way. It's marketing. It's storytelling. It's taking your customer on a journey with you so that when you have a product available to sell, they're intrigued and they want to consume said product. And that's exactly why a lot of things weren't mentioned at D23 because Disney's not ready to sell you what they're getting ready to put on the market. And the treehouse is obviously tethered to something and that marketing window just hasn't opened up yet. So when we look at the announcement that Tron would be opening up over at the Magic Kingdom in spring, this is a classic example of what I'm talking about. It appears that they could have had Tron ready to roll maybe in October. If they knew that they wanted to get it up, opened in October, it could have been ready in October. They could have did like a sweeping announcement of like, hey, if you're coming out for Epcot 40, boom, we're also surprising you with a brand new Tron attraction. But think about this. Everybody who's going to be there in October already knows their plans. I mean, most people do that are booking hotels, staying at the resort for more than two or three days. Like the customer that's really going to spend is already locked in. So the next wave of customers that are probably booking trips is the spring group. So saying, hey, this new roller coaster that we've been working on and hyping up for over five years, it's going to launch in spring. That makes people's ears perk up and go, oh, well, maybe that's when we book our trip because we want to experience a new roller coaster. Because, for example, I'll be at Magic Kingdom next week and I won't be back again until probably February. So I already know when my next trip is and it looks like I'm going to miss that Tron drop. I, I probably won't get to ride Tron until this time next year because I kind of try to go early fall, early spring, go out twice a year, see everything that's happening out on the East Coast and get to experience it. So I'm going to miss that window, but it did make me think, huh, do I push the February trip back or do I hold off to see what that date is or do I go late March instead of late February and hope that that's what they think spring is or do I just move it up to April? Like, it does really kind of play with, ooh, what am I putting in the calendar here? How do I buy that next trip based on this next availability? So by that sort of reasoning, one could conclude everything that was announced is announced because they feel that that marketing window has opened up. For example, saying at the very end, and oh, by the way, Disneyland is going to be the home the, the main home to the 100th anniversary, which will start in 2023. The hope there is people go, oh, well, we already have our 2022 trip booked. And we were thinking about maybe not going back in 23 because 
newsflash, there's other vacations to take and other places to see. But it would be nice to see what the 100th anniversary looks like. And that's why that gets dropped there, because their ultimate goal is everything they say on that stage, they want it to translate into two things. The first thing is people talking about it, free publicity, free marketing. And the second thing is, is the free publicity and the free marketing motivates tickets, sells, and fans knowing when they need to come back because they need to come back because there's going to be something new there. So the Swiss family treehouse that opened up in 1962 and then closed in 1999 was not mentioned because they're not ready to tell us yet what they're going to be doing with this space, which closed back in 2021, September 3rd. 2021. So it has officially now been closed longer than a year, meaning remodeling the treehouse is somehow more work than building the entire park, which took less than a year. But Tarzan's treehouse opened up in 99 when Swiss family went down. And the big addition was the theming to the Tarzan movie and also the tree that stood out in the walkway that sort of put a nice end cap at the end of Adventureland. So when you come around the Tiki Room and you're looking at that straight shot down Adventureland, there used to be Tarzan's Treehouse at the end, a bookend. And when you came around Tarzan's Treehouse from the other direction, down at the end, you would see the building that houses the Tiki Room. So essentially, you have these two bookends, and inside of these bookends exist Adventureland, which is a really small land. Uh, it's kind of the least adventurous thing that you could think of calling Adventureland because it literally is one path. It's it's Adventureland. It's Adventureland. How you hear what I'm doing? I keep trying to call it Adventureland because Adventure Land is a lot like Avenger Land, as in it's a hallway. But Adventure Land is even less part of being an adventure because it truly is just a straight corridor. So I understand the idea of Imagineering to put the treehouse up at the end of it in the summer of 99, because that would then kind of at least enclose it in there. So you would have sort of the mystery of Indiana Jones, where you don't really see a show building. And then there's the Jungle Cruise, which, you know, kind of a happy accident was all put inside the berm of Disneyland. You will Never see an attraction that big built inside again because there's not the space for it. But the idea of the treehouse was to sort of close it off. So when you're in Adventureland, it does feel like an adventure because you don't know what's outside of this land. But the park has evolved. It has changed. It is way more popular than it was back in 1999. And we have way more different ways of people taking transportation through the park. I'm going to assume back in 99, you had like 90% of the people were walking and 10% of the people were on wheelchairs. And those wheelchairs were probably 90% hand operated. Where now we still have walking guests and we still have guests are on wheelchairs, but we have the whole power chair movement. And those power chairs are in all different shapes, scales, and sizes. And speaking of things on wheels that come in all different sizes, I'm sure back in 1999, there was probably one or two similar footprints for what a stroller looks like. And friends, 
I'm not a father, don't have any kids, proudly, but stroller technology, newsflash, is insane. And the size of the different strollers and the way that they're built is insanely different. So you now take four different types of people that are trying to navigate through a park that is four times busier and the treehouse portion just had to come out because as we saw with project pixie dust as they were no project stardust i didn't get it right star as in for star wars and the dust as in the pixie dust that was a project where they went around the park widening walkways taking away curbs making it easier for wheeled vehicles to go from flat surface up to a, an elevated surface surface such as a curb and also made it easier for walking guests to navigate around everything so the idea of widening it making it easier to navigate was to just keep up with the demand of not only the sheer volume of people but how many different ways the park is now navigated and so one of the things they had to do on a second, third, fourth wave of Project Stardust was remove the treehouse because it literally just added confusion. And confusion translates with people into congestion. And the bottleneck there was so severe that even when there wasn't phantasmic happening, or even when there wasn't a long queue for Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, it was just hard, hard to get around because people would come up to it, their brain would lock up, when their brain locks up, they slow down. When they slow down, the waves of people behind them slow down. Then you have guests on strollers, wheelchairs, power chairs, trying to navigate, trying to figure out where their bigger footprint goes. And now people can't see them because they're taller than their height. And it just creates a chaos. And there's one other factor that is just sort of, I think, the tipping point is nowadays regrettably many guests have to have their face in their mobile phone because they're trying to order their family's food they're trying to procure their next fast pass because of lightning lane now all being mobile they're trying to just see is the ride that their kids really want to ride is it is it back online because when we were there yesterday several rides were all broken down at once kind of making traffic go, well, the mansion's down and Big Thunder's down, so we got to get out of this area because the line for pirates is insane. What's happened on the eastern side of the park because the western side is kind of failing right now. And look, one of the things I really appreciate about Disney and one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about covering the park and why I really love my construction series and my update series that I do on Fridays and Mondays, I love the Sim City aspect of it. Disney's not afraid to spend money. Regardless of what people say about Bob Chapek being cheap and about the company being ran down, I mean, there is noticeably more trash on the ground than I've ever seen. The park is, for my money, the dirtiest I've ever seen it. That's just me being truthful. I see more trash on the ground in attractions in Cubby Hills. Like the park just doesn't look as clean and pristine as it once was. That's just an honest take. However, they're always willing to spend money on new sidewalks, new concrete, new fences, new walls, taking out the grass right now uh, to replace it with turf that will not only be more environmentally friendly, but also lower the amount of emissions they have to put out with, you know, the different equipment that they use to mow it all the time and less fuel. 
consumption as well as less water consumption. I know there's somebody somewhere being like, oh, you don't even understand the amount of plastics and chemicals it takes to make square foot. I mean, you know what? There's no move that's perfect. And what us as humans have done to our planet proves no move is perfect. But you just try to make some moves that have some benefits and just hope at the end of the day you leave the place better than you found it and that you didn't completely screw over your kids or in my instance, the next generation of people that take over planet Earth after we do. So I love that the fact that they're always willing to spend money on capital improvements and just make things happen and, and work better. So removing the treehouse, the Tarzan treehouse, the structure that was put there in 99, that was a different ideology. That was capital improvement, make our park work better, make it flow better, and just make a better experience for our guests. That's what that move was. So that's one part of the Disney brain that says efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. The more we can get people moving, the happier they will be when they get to where they're trying to go. And the faster they can get there, that means more locations visited in one trip, more locations visited in one trip means more spending in one trip. Like if you can hit all the lands and all your favorite eateries and shops, you're just going to spend more money. But if you spend time frustrated, going at a slow crawl everywhere you're going to go, the family dynamic starts to show and people bicker and argue and fight. And then they're at eight o'clock at night. They're like, you know what? I don't want to stay for the fireworks. If it gets busier than the fireworks and it's already been just a shit show trying to go from point A to point chimpanzee, like let's just go home. Let's just get out of here. This is just not fun. But if you're buzzing and it doesn't feel crowded and you're easily getting from here to there, then you're like, yeah, man, park feels great today. Let's go till midnight. I don't want this good time to ever end. So that is the like efficient side of the Disney thinking brain. But the other side is the marketing and entertainment based part of the brain. What do we need to put in this park? So you'll keep coming and then we'll circle over. And when you're here and you keep coming, how do we make it as efficient as possible? And that part of the brain is why we haven't heard what's happening with the treehouse. Now, at date, there are two major rumors, and these are pretty good rumors. You know, they're rumors with a little bit of logic behind them, which is the best kind of rumor where you're like, okay, why is this happening? What's on the horizon? Can we tie these two thoughts together? So the big idea that a lot of people believe in is that Swiss Family Robinson, there's a TV remake over on Disney+. Plus. And that's what this is going to be tethered to. And I kind of feel like that could be it, but I don't know. Because one of the people that's working on the project is Ron Moore, two O's. Ron Moore is a fantastic screenwriter. He did the reimagining of Battlestar Galactica, which is one of my all-time favorite TV shows in the renaissance of TV that we've been going through. The retelling of Battlestar Galactica is fantastic. I absolutely love it. So ever since, I've been a big fan of this guy. But the problem is, is this guy gets attached to a lot of projects that don't ever happen. I don't know if it's a personality thing. I don't know if it's 
you know, he's very set in his way and wants to tell a story a certain way. And that just doesn't cooperate with the suits visions of the projects that he gets attached to. But whenever I see Ronald D Moore's name attached to things, I get a little, little bit scared. And the person that I've seen attached to this is Ron Moore. So I'm assuming that it's the same guy, but if it is that guy, that guy to me is caution because he has a low accuracy rate of things that make it to the consumer. But let's just assume that this is what's happening. When you want to sell something to somebody, it is really important that you have a call of action. Because if you sell something to somebody or you mention something too early, by the time you actually go to sell it, you can lose their interest. Or you can also, and in Disney's case, and I think this has a lot to do with D23 now that I've been a week away from it. Maybe they've realized in the past that their announcements have been so strong, so ambitious, paired with really good concept art that people were let down that a lot of the things didn't happen to Epcot. There, you know, people are still walking around going, when's this, uh, when's this Mary Poppins thing happening over here in Epcot? And it's not. So maybe the idea this time was like, okay, let's go blue sky. Let's go crazy vague, give people data on all the lower level things that we can 100% confirm. And then next park panel, it'll be more of here's some concrete stuff because we know that it's going to happen. And let's try to raise up our accuracy rate so we don't keep getting in this quagmire of people being like, oh, they don't do anything or where's this or where's that? Like they're probably, you know, they're aware of how much criticism there is because it's the age of the internet and everything gets criticized. It's a whole industry of criticizing and people consuming that criticism and then making their own criticism. And it just completes the circle of criticism, which happens to be very similar to the circle of life. So if that is the idea, that makes sense, but we won't know that for two years. So let's work back to the treehouse. If they do have a series coming up that they're working on, and that's what the treehouse is tethered to TV's wacky. You can announce a lot of projects and many of them won't make it to the light of day. We've seen a lot of things announced with star Wars that were put on the schedule. They made promos for them. They talked about how great it was going to be. And then quietly they got taken off the schedule. So the treehouse could be tied in to a project like Swiss family Robinson, which before they go guns a blazing on it, they want to see, do we pick up the series how good is the series? And if the series is great, then we go along with our project. And sometimes it's two ways. Fans see something and fans love something that gives the corporation confidence and that greenlights the project. Other times the corporation sees the product and goes, we have created gold. 10 out of 10 chance that this becomes a cultural hit. Let's go ahead and use the treehouse as a marketing opportunity for the show. And in that instance, and this is what I really believe happened is they're holding on to whatever is happening with the treehouse, so they can align it with their marketing strategy. So therefore maybe it'll be a day in day release. Like what we saw happening out at universal studios with the new Jordan pill movie, where the day that the movie landed in theaters, so did the attraction at Hollywood studios. You know, they could do day and date drop where 
You can literally stream it Wednesday on Disney Plus or go to Disneyland and experience it. Or they might go the other route, which is a really great route to go, where you open the attraction three months ahead of time and people are experiencing it and they're enjoying it and there's Disney Plus signs up. So then when it does drop on whatever Wednesday at midnight, there's an audience that wants to consume it because they've already experienced a portion of it and they love it. And that's going to give them confidence to go over and spend their time watching it. And also if you don't have Disney plus, but you enjoyed the attraction, maybe that gets you to set up a new account or turn back on the account that you turned off. Cause you're like, eh, I'm, I don't need to pay this until something valuable drops. I've kind of consumed the back catalog. I'm going to let a couple more shows build up before I go back to being in the, the, the monthly sign up which is insane to me. Like if I sign up for something, I'm pretty much going to give you money for the rest of my life. Cause I just don't have the bandwidth in my brain to be like, Oh, I should cancel HBO max and let all the house of dragons episodes drop. And then I could sign up for like a week and watch that. And the other things I missed and then cancel and save $10. Like just, it's not even worth $10 to me to try to figure out where I sign up and sign back out. I just don't have that bandwidth in my head or my life, but some people do. Some people have the ability to jump cable companies and mobile phone providers and cancel and start and stop services because, well, now that the Sopranos are done, I'll wait till HBO makes another hit and then I'll sign back up. Like some people do have that bandwidth and kind of envious to have that much control over everything that you're doing because I'm just, to be honest, chaos. But in this situation, the reason why you wouldn't say something at the parks panel is because. It's not that you don't know what you're doing. You have a plan. It's just not time to enact that plan. And talking about the series now would be awkward if the series doesn't get picked up. And then the other idea is that it could be maybe turned into a sea attraction, Society of Explorers and Adventurers, where the idea of sea, S-E-A, is that to put different attractions all around Disney parks globally, they're a part of one storyline. Now, there's also an idea that C is being turned into a Disney Plus series, which I think would resolve a couple of big things that Disney quite hasn't figured out. How to make original content about the parks. How to tell theme park stories that are story first and marketing second. But before we get too hyped about a Society of Explorers and Adventurers series coming to Disney Plus, who's attached to this rumored series? Ronald D. Moore, who's also attached to Swiss Family Robinson, who, as I've told you, I'm a huge fan of, just doesn't always get all of his projects done. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because I would rather creatives really stand behind their work and go for equality versus a quantity. So let's just for a minute assume both of these projects are real and we have a location in Adventureland that could be branded to one of these two projects and C or Society of Explorers and Adventurers would be awesome because there's a storyline with that already existing in the Jungle Cruise at Disneyland, the original Jungle Cruise. So it would be very good synergy for our Adventureland, which is kind of, you know, as I said earlier, a little bit light on its adventure, a little bit light on its footprint. 
It's an amazing land. I absolutely love it. I always love sitting on the stairs in front of the Harper Goff window. I think he's one of the most interesting characters from the first generation of Disneyland and outside of Walt Disney. If I could hang out and talk to one of them, it'd probably be him. Okay, I take that back. R- Walt, then Roy, then Harper. Those seem like the three people I would like to talk to the most. You know what? I'd talk to anybody from that time period if I could. But I digress. Putting this attraction into that storyline would be awesome. But we have two projects potentially on our whiteboard, and we don't know which one is going to resonate the best, not only with us as a corporation, but with the Disney Parks, Disney Plus fans. So the reason why something like this could easily not get talked about is because it's an either or. If one of these pops, we have this in our back pocket and we can go in that direction. And then we can tell people, now you can get more of the family or more of the explorers starting next month at Disney Parks. And if the series truly does pop and it is awesome, then that creates a synergy of people like, man, my kids are loving this. I'm enjoying this. I got to run down to the park and, and see this. Or we're from out of town. My husband's always loved this. This is a great time to book that next family trip. These are the things that move the needle. But to move the needle, you have to have confidence in your body of work, whatever your source material is. And then you have to execute a proper marketing window, which is why Tron is open in the spring. And which is why we didn't hear what they're doing to Tarzan's treehouse. Because there's a huge possibility that neither one of these projects happen, which then puts them into another idea of, okay, now what do we do? Because the treehouse could easily end up becoming a part of Indiana Jones. It could easily end up becoming a part of Pirates of the Caribbean. It sits wedged between two popular attractions, and it'd be very easy to have an experiential queue that would take people in or out of one of those attractions. It also could end up just being decorative and no longer open to guests have a lighting package on it we saw the lighting packages out in pandora we see how they light the rock work of radiator springs we see the light packaging that's going to go on the new version of the attraction formerly known as splash mountain it could end up just being a set piece it's not an essential part of the disneyland experience so therefore if they don't have the proper theme To navigate an attraction, which has very, very limited accessibility to lots of guests of Disneyland, it kind of has to be the best thing or it could be nothing, if you get what I mean. Like, it really needs to tie into very specific storyline to justify the expense and the effort that it's going to go into bringing in this attraction that, let's be honest, It's never going to be the main thing for most folks. It's going to be a fun side thing. And so for it being a lower tier attraction, the best thing that they could get out of that investment is that it's moving the needle on another project. Like the two projects that we talked about today that we don't know if they're going to happen. So when we look at why didn't fans get information about the treehouse? It's not that Disney doesn't know what they're doing with it, because they know that they're doing something with it. But my educated guess would be 
is that there's probably three to five different guesses up on a whiteboard, and all of those are tethered into if Project X is the winner, then that will release consequences Y. And why we didn't hear about it? It's because we don't know which one of those are going to be the winner, nor do they. So it's quick math. There were problems structurally with the treehouse. They knew that they needed to take out the main entryway, which was blocking up the pathways. So one part of the brain takes out that problem. Now people are flowing. Now people are buzzing. But the storytelling, the theming, the more expensive part of the equation, that is a wait and see. Let's wait and see which project is successful or which project comes to completion. And then we will retheme the treehouse around one of those projects or maybe not at all. Which all of this makes it so much easier at your parks panel to just say nothing than to say something that you'll have to change, pivot, adjust on, backtrack on, get expectations up, let expectations down. It just wasn't the time to tell people what they're up to because probably they don't exactly know. But I think that if we look at this sort of problem solving marketing problem solving on this one project, it shines a light to all the things that we did hear about and that they feel confident that a lot of these lower level announcements are things they can guarantee us that are going to happen. And then when they talked about their bigger blue sky projects, like, Hey, have you ever wondered what's on the other side of big thunder mountain out of Walt Disney world? That was an area where they could get loose. They could get creative and say, we don't know what we're doing yet but we know that we're doing something, which is exactly what's happening in Adventureland. They don't know what they're doing yet as far as theme and how we'll access it, but they do know that they're doing something, which is why it's scrimmed off in a place of holding, waiting for that idea to unlock itself. And once the idea is unlocked, so will the marketing window in which they know that this is the time to make the announcement to set the release date and have it all tied in to a bigger part of the Disney company's synergy, where the theme parks give fans experience based on the content that they love to consume. So yeah, there's part of me that wish that I was spending the next couple of weeks doing detailed videos, telling you how the next things are going to be built, why I'm excited about them, how they're going to change your next trip to the park and how they're going to change the way that the park operates for generations to come. But instead, we're digging a little bit deeper and we're looking in the idea of where does shoveling ground happen as it's tied into marketing announcement. So there are D23 things to take away, to break down and talk about, but it's just at that other level that's not quite as sexy because it's all about how does the content tie into the park and how does the park promote the content. It's part of it that I love. It's part of it that I enjoy. Not always the funnest thing to verbalize, probably not always the funnest thing to listen to, but hopefully you had fun today looking at this one little announcement that a lot of people are curious about and taking everything in this conversation and then applying it to well, what we do know and what we don't know, because this is kind of the story for everything. There's a time and place to announce things. There's a time and place to get people excited about things. And there's a time and place to try to sell things. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I love having this space where I can do 45 minute rant 
and get into why these things happen and talk about design theory and business theory in the podcast is the perfect place for that. And that's why I don't want the podcast to go away. And I appreciate you listening. Let me know you're listening and supporting the content so that I can keep putting it out. Reach out to me wherever you want to. It's kind of hard to reply back to a podcast, but you can find me somewhere on the internet. Let me know. Where do you want this project to go? Do you think that this is right? And are you excited for it to come back? You're like, look, dude, I don't care about a treehouse. I got I got bigger rides to rip on my next trip out home to Disneyland. Friends, if you're a podcast listener, I'll see you next week. And if you want to see me before then, I'll be putting some stuff up over on YouTube this week. You can find me at Hey Bricky on YouTube and you can find me back here again next Monday. Thank you so much for showing up. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you lending me both your ear and your time, and I hope you feel that I made the best of it. Mm-hmm.